Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Welcome, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, lovely people. Depending on where you are zooming in from, I have got the lovely Anne McEwen next to me, and I can't wait to introduce you to this lovely lady. Anne and I met, uh, I believe, through LinkedIn. Is that correct, Anne? Yeah. Yeah. I saw, um, you know, I, I heard a little bit about your story. We had this really beautiful connection, and uh, I remember it was actually I was on uh, at Bolt Hill. And we had this really horrible connection, but we did manage to get the story out of you. And I was like, I really do want to introduce you to my audience. So before I get further into the story, I'm going to get you to do that. Do you want to introduce yourself, Anne? Welcome. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much for the, the invitation. It's lovely to be here. And I, I really treasure the work that you do. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. So, so nice to be part of it. Um, yeah, thank so you. my name is Anne McEwen. You can obviously guess I'm from Scotland. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love I, the accent. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Live in Sydney. I've been here for 14 years with my husband and two daughters. Mm-hmm. And um, absolutely, you know, we just we just love it. We feel we're living in paradise. Oh, we so are. I always count myself lucky. It's incredible. So, and you have got quite a remarkable story, may I say. And uh, I always do ask my guests permission if I can ask anything and everything before we get live. So I really want to share the story because I feel there is so many golden nuggets and so many learning uh, opportunities for all of us in there. And it's incredibly touching too. So would you mind sharing a little bit about Rob and the relationship that you had and what happened? Because I, I don't even know where to start. There are so many aspects to it. So I'm, I'm going to try to do this chronologically. Um, tell us a little bit about how you guys met and what your relationship was like. Yeah, so look, I was um, in my late 20s. I was working for um, a large corporate corporation in the UK and really doing well on the career ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met uh, Rob at a, a Kaylee, which is like a barn dance. Um, mm-hmm. When I was younger, <laughs> I, I used to go all the time to these Kayleys because um, mm-hmm. they were a great way to kind of meet people and more fun. I mm-hmm. wasn't really so much into discos and nightclubs. Yeah. And um, they were held on what was an old ferry on the River Clyde in Glasgow, and they converted it into this sort of Cayley venue. And anyway, one night we had all these um, sailors had come in mm-hmm. and so we were dancing with them all and having lots of fun and everything. And that's where I met Rob and, you know, a, a group of his friends. Um, and at the time, I just felt my, my life was perfect. If you were to say, mm. how would you like your, you know, I was able to tick all the boxes yeah. around career, family, relationship, finances, health and wellness, traveling. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it was just a, a really, a, a really special time in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many years did Robin you have together, if I may ask? Well, we didn't even have one year actually. Um, wow. It was a, it was a very, um, a, a very a short romance. Um, mm-hmm. In that, uh, we probably had about eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to go to London on a trip. Um, and when I came back from that trip, I discovered that um, he'd been in a car crash. 
Um, and do you want me just to tell the story or do you? Absolutely. Please tell it. it it's because I know, I know what's to come. So I don't want to in, keep interrupting with the questions and, okay. and keep interrupting with the flow. So please just, yeah, tell the okay. story because this is, this is really so incredible what happened thereafter. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Okay. How so much you want to share. Look, I, 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 I just had the best time with him. We had a lot of fun. He was very caring, probably the first partner I'd ever had who kind of really made me feel special and, and didn't mm. try and change me to be something he wanted. And also yeah. a man that wasn't threatened by a successful career woman. Mm. And so all of that at the time for me was fantastic. Anyway, I had to go to this trip down to London from Glasgow. And when mm -hmm. I came back, I discovered that he'd been in this car crash and his friend had phoned and told me and I said, well, you have to tell me where is he? What hospital is he in? I have to go mm -hmm. and see him. And you know, I was just mm -hmm. distraught. And his yeah. friend said to me, you can't, you can't go and see him. And I was like, what do you mean I can't go and see him? And he mm. said, his wife is with him. Mm. So he was leading this double. And at first I couldn't believe it. And, I've... and this was the very first time that you found out about that. Yeah. No and, and of course, I went through all the thing of how could I have been so stupid? Mm. How could, you know, when something goes wrong, we tend to blame ourselves rather than yeah. well, actually yeah. he was being quite deceitful. But at the time... He'd actually talked about the, the ship he was on, the, the British government were going to sail and he talked about moving, because he lived in England, moving mm. to, to Glasgow to, to getting a job at Prestwick Airport, to moving in with me. Like we'd made all these plans. It wasn't yeah, like yeah. Um, I didn't see a future with him and he yeah. saw a future. We talked about all those things. Yeah. So that was all in my mind and and I, there were no signs. I mean, he was obviously just very clever at, at hiding it and and what his yeah. friend told me after was he was very unhappy he was going to get a divorce and mm. you know but you don't want that that's I don't want to hear that I understand. From else and yeah and then um so I went into a real depression after that as mm. you can imagine and I know an I interesting imagine, yeah. an interesting thing happened at the same time my boss that week when I'd been in London had actually said to me that people I'd worked with for eight years helping them build their businesses Mm -hmm. um, the company wanted to get rid of them and bring in managers because they were licensees and the licensees took a third of the profit. But if we brought in managers, we could pay them minimum wage. And I said to my boss, but I can't do that. I've worked with these people for eight years, helping them build their business. And, and mm -hmm. they all have a stance in the local community and I have this connection with them. And you want me now to yeah. tell them that we're getting rid of them. And he said to me, well, if you don't, someone else will. And I, I, uh -huh. and so I just felt can be. it was like two men that I really admired and were, was very fond of and had beautiful relationships with just suddenly in the both week, but in the same week, they both. Um, different places. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that added to the depression because then I was thinking, mm. what am I doing in this corporation? That's all about money. And I thought, you know, I was making a difference and, you know, I was very, I was very ambitious and, um, yeah. but I kind of started then to realize that I had a few blind spots and mm. um, didn't really like what I was seeing and the situation I'd ended up in. And mm. um, so anyway, I, I, I just went into this depression and, and didn't want to go to work or do anything. And my mum yeah. called the doctor and of course, as doctors do, they gave me pills and, Mm. You know, I say that the, the pools kind of um, they, they, they dealt with the, 
they were able to make me function but they didn't deal with the pain and and yeah. and nobody thought to solve the problem and then of course mm. I was very ashamed because then I was somebody's mistress <laughs> yeah and then I yeah felt- if I'm living this absolute in love and you think you've got the perfect life to then all of a sudden find out yeah that it was a very different story uh can I just ask did his wife ever find out about you did you ever talk did you ever get in touch at all or you don't know one thing happened when and when he was in the hospital I ended Mm -hmm. up I got it because it was a hospital in in England because when I went to London Mm -hmm. he'd gone home and so I said to his friend please just let me at least speak to the hospital so he did give me the number and when Mm -hmm. I phoned I spoke to a nurse and I just said tell me what happened and she told me all the injuries and then I said, yeah. oh, and she said, who said called? And I, and I said, oh, just say it's a friend from Scotland because obviously I didn't want yeah. to say who I was. And, he, yeah. and she said to me, uh, he won't hear you because he's unconscious, but I'll tell his wife. And so again, there was this. Um, mm. And so, and actually when I phoned the hospital, his first name, like what I called him, wasn't his real first name. Yeah. Um, they said, oh, we haven't got somebody by that first name. We've got somebody by that surname. And I said, oh, yeah, that'll be him. And, you know, so a lot unraveled afterwards. But I also, I I kind of, I never wanted to be part of that situation. And I would never have wanted to add to another woman's agony. I mean, she was dealing with a dead husband or a a sick husband. I understand. So That speaks volumes about you, though, if I may say so, because this is, you know... um, this is a very tricky situation to be in, to not mm-hmm. know about that and to find out that he had a he had an accident and he was still in a coma. So there is still this, mm-hmm. this hope, you know, mm-hmm. I need to solve this. I need to mm-hmm. know about this, what was going on, you know, and to go through that and, uh, but he did not make it. And no, how no. long, how long did that take till you found out that he well, actually they, Yeah, nobody actually told me that he died. So I think it was kind of seen as, it was I was I was erased you know like if there was a picture I was yeah. erased out of the picture let's not talk about that yes um and the first that I knew was I received an envelope I, I remember it the day vividly because I, I started to drink too much and I was in bed and I was feeling mm. sorry for myself and I had a wooden floor yeah. in my hallway and I heard this thud and it was a, the postman mm-hmm. putting envelopes mm-hmm. through the letterbox, you know, in the, the days yeah. before we had <laughs> technology yeah. emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I got up to see what the <coughs> heavy envelope was and I opened it up and it was an invitation to a church service. And I thought, oh, they've put it in, because I was in an apartment, I thought they've put it through the wrong letterbox. Yeah. And anyway, um, I thought I'll open it up and see what number it's meant to be. I had my name on it, but I thought I'll open it and see if it's for someone else. Yeah. And as I took it out, it was a card with an invitation to the funeral. And mm-hmm. there was, his name was Rob, there was Rob's face dressed in his mm-hmm. sailor white uniform, smiling Just at with me. with a different name, yeah. And then on the other side, it had the date and the venue and everything of the funeral service, but it had happened the week prior. So I had oh, missed it. Wow. Yeah, so they said. Yeah. And then I opened it up and inside it said, pastor asks everybody to pray for Rob and his wife and his child so he had a baby as well which I didn't know about so wow and of course then do you know how old that child was um 
a toddler, what I heard about 18 months, oh, wow. I think his friends told me, young. Wow. Well, well. Yeah. yeah. So that was a lot to deal with, if I may say so. And that's probably very much um, underrated. I don't even know. I don't even have the right words to express what you must have felt in that moment. And, uh, you know, I was just uh, just this week listening to a really intense podcast about healing grief from a neuro uh, perspective. And uh, it's by Andrew Huberman. And I don't know if you heard of him, but it's, it's just really fascinating. And he talks about the similarities in grief and depression and mm-hmm. how so often, you know, they, they tend to uh, just give you the tablets and antidepressants. And the amount of times I hear that uh, people have been offered tablets, antidepressants for grief where they da- actually don't help in grief at all. They may help in depression, but they don't help in grief. It was so fascinating. I, I really urge anyone to watch this podcast i actually shared it in my group loving life after loss for anyone who's interested um but coming back to your story you said you you fell into some sort of depression after that which which i can uh really understand with everything with all the news that you have been dealing with and you know having all these hopes and the future to look forward and the perfect job and then everything comes crumbling down within weeks of each other like at the same time you know and um the trust that you had got crushed like you know professionally and personally I I can't even imagine the amount of times you must have asked yourself all these questions however what really strikes me and the reason why I wanted to bring you on camera is what you did with it I'm so blown away by the journey that you have chosen afterwards please tell us how long did it take you to make the decision to come out of it and what did you do just yeah Uh, well thank you for that it it took me about uh three or four months of just back and Mm -hmm. forth I didn't I didn't really go back to work I kind of did a bit of work from home but I I I was just constantly on sick on sick leave because I just faced my boss or the situation Mm -hmm. or whatever I didn't know how to really handle that Mm -hmm. um and I just knew I needed to to get away because people didn't understand. Mm. Like people were saying, oh, well, he was a liar and a cheat. You're better off without him. Um, or, well, you weren't together that long. It's not so. a flick the switch solution. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, thank God you weren't married. Or, I mean, there was just all this. And people were trying to be kind, but it was not at all what I wanted to hear. Not Nobody helpful. understood. Yeah. And, and, and so then I got to the stage where I just decided not to talk about it and not to tell people mm. and, because it was easier for everyone else to think I had moved on because they didn't know how to deal with my grief and depression and Mm -hmm. and so I thought everyone else is busy with their own lives I just and I just need to kind of get over this you know you can try Mm. anyway um it, it, it sounds altruistic but it's actually not what I decided to do I had to get away and I saw an advert um to do some volunteering Mm. and I thought you know what I'm just going to rent out my apartment I quit my job I gave back my company car um, I just kind of got rid of everything and started fresh and I just said to my family and friends oh, I'm just going to go and volunteer for six months in Africa and um, yeah and it, it was really special actually because I was mm. able to one taking myself out of the environment was good because it mm. took me away from all the memories because everywhere in my apartment he'd been, there were things that were, yeah. I had a box yeah. full of like pressed roses and love letters and mm. photographs. And, you know, I mean, it was because I went through a stage yeah. thinking, did I imagine it all? 
you know yeah. and then but I had all this proof that it was that it was real but um, mm. I kind of had to put the lid on that box as well and um, mm. and, and I signed up for an organization called C it's S-E-E and it stands for the mm-hmm. Surgical Eye Expedition and basically mm-hmm. what they do is they have volunteer um, surgeons and nurses come from the U.S. Mm-hmm. to um, underprivileged villages in poor countries. And they do yeah. cataract operations. Yeah. Wow. So people that were blind and had double mm-hmm. cataracts could then yeah. suddenly see. And That's my it gives me goosebumps. It's so yeah, nice. my role was yeah. um, it was good because I was able to use a lot of my experience. Um, I was project manager. And so that mm-hmm. involved fundraising to get money to buy ointments and creams and yeah. things um, we took young people from the UK who would otherwise have been in jail but young prison and mm-hmm. um, to show them that they actually had a good life in comparison to these really poor African people and That's it gave them a purpose and a sense of belonging and community and a different look at life mm-hmm. and it was transformational for all of us um, and I, I felt that I was able to use my my skills to, to help someone mm. else and thankfully I had enough money that I, I was able to go and volunteer you know and, and, mm. and I didn't need to worry about finances but the big problem was I did it for six months and then I went back mm. home and as mm-hmm. soon as I went back home everything hit me again yeah so it was like I had put a lid on it mm-hmm. But then, and it was the same things. People were saying, oh, I hope you had a nice holiday. And I was like, it wasn't a holiday. It was a really amazing experience. It was a very on purpose change to scenery to get over things and move through things. And then they hit you right in the face when you come back. I totally yeah. understand that. Um, yeah. 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 I think though, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd like to hear your uh, perspective on this. And I feel that, a change in scenery, a change in perspective is really, really helpful on our healing journey. I did the exact same thing. Not, not that we volunteered in Africa, but um, after Rob passed, so my husband was called Rob as well, which is quite interesting. Um, I took the boys and traveled around the world for 60 days with the boys. I just really needed to create new and happy memories and a bit of a different background to it all. But I really wanted to create a a change in scenery and get away from all these first milestones without him, like Christmas and New Year's and birthdays and, and also all the expectation, like you so nicely described it as well, you know, how people feel that you should be or shouldn't be or what you should be doing or shouldn't be feeling like nobody understands nobody understands unless they have gone through it so for me it was one of the healthiest choices to take the boys and go traveling yet I also vividly remember what it felt like coming back home it was not that everything hit me in the face and everything was there so I wanted to know um did you feel a difference though I totally understand when you say you came back and it still hit you in the face but did you feel a difference um, that something shifted within you from these six months away, or did you feel like you were completely back to square one? Oh no, I had definitely got a different perspective, and I had definitely moved on as far as um, mm. emotionally. Um, mm. What what hit me was well, one, I had to go back living with my parents because my apartment was mm. still rented out. I didn't have yeah. a job. I didn't have a partner. Yeah. I didn't have there was, mm. it was sort of all those losses around me and and it was then like well what do I do now it was yeah. it was that and by then I was 30 and you know mm. 
what do you do as a single woman at 30 who's been through that and I, I, mm. and I didn't want to go back in and work for a big corporation so a whole lot of my I suppose it sent me on the journey of discovering my values mm. um, and, and, and what do I want my life purpose to be and yeah I didn't really often we, we fall into things like the job I had mm. I'd fallen into and even yeah. job I'd fallen into and mm. so um it, it made me kind of stop and take track but I wouldn't mm. say at that point after six months I was healed in fact I know I wasn't because yeah. I was being very sharp with everyone like there was mm -hmm. I think there was anger there that mm -hmm. um and I hadn't been really allowed to show that anger and frustration yeah. at you know yeah who the, did he think he was and why did he do that yeah. to me and to us and and yeah. and why am I meant to just now get on with life? I was like, I want mm. you know, a, a release. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a few things I'd like to say at this stage. I mean, um, first of all, I, I so often talk about the hidden gifts in adversity, and I, I believe what you just said, you know, the uh, having to stop and or having to getting this opportunity presented to stop and really go on a path of finding yourself and finding out about your values, who you want to be, what you want to do in life, you know. That to me is such a typical gift in adversity, you know, something that we probably haven't asked for, not in that way in particular, yeah. but that when it comes, uh, we can either deny it or we can actually receive it as a gift. And I truly see that you definitely received it as a gift, you know, even if it probably didn't feel like such at that very moment oh, wasn't that and the thing? other thing uh without without knowing rob without knowing any details about his life uh, outside of you like his family life you know it is so easy really easy to judge for people on the outside but nobody has lived his life nobody knows what he was like what his relationship was like and what he must have felt like when he met you you know it might have been this oh my God, that's exactly what I've been looking for all my life and what do I do with this life now and I don't want to hurt anyone. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's easier than we think to slip into a double life without any intention of hurting anyone, without any intention of deceiving anyone. And I'm not trying to take his side and saying he was a saint, he didn't do anything wrong. Obviously, it is wrong to lie and to deceive people. But I'm also always saying there's always at least two if not three sides to the story and there is also um you know it's, it's really hard uh, oh, look, I would totally such that we don't know his yeah, part of the story or his think, wife's part of the story so yeah I don't think any of it was intentional I think that's exactly yeah. what happened I think he he met me and 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 there was a spark and mm. you know an attraction and and yeah and he chose not to tell me and and maybe yeah. didn't think it would go as far or as deep as it did and yeah you know so I don't actually, get me wrong I'm not I'm not trying to cover anything oh, I no, to say was absolutely I, okay but I'm always saying there is you know intention mm, and absolutely yeah and I yeah. think people go into things I mean even even people that get divorced you go into to relationships with the best of intention I think we all of course go into things with the best of intention and then can suddenly at get, least let's hope so swept away you know so no I I actually think that too and it, and it gives me solace because I think for a long time I went through God he didn't love me he just used me and he mm. and then I would read some of the letters and the fact that he was talking about moving to Glasgow and things and and, and over and I thought well I I'll, I'll never know so what's going to give me the most peace 
you know, and I, and I, because we all know that our emotions come from the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm telling myself the, the worst story, I'm going to keep feeling worse. Yeah. But if I can, yeah, if I can look at the good side. I of love it, that you say that. You know, the story that actually there's that, and I know it's cliche to say that, saying that it's better to have love and loved and lost than never loved at all. Mm. And that's the way I look at it now. Like that was a really special time in my life and set me off mm. in a whole new trajectory. Probably mm. it was the most painful time in my life, but mm. um I'm now actually quite thankful because um I might have still just stayed with that corporation yeah. and, and just been another cog in a wheel. Yeah. So Anne, when you came back after the six months in Africa, tell us what was the next thing that happened? Because I know that was not your only trip that you did. Yeah, yeah. So look, I had Christmas and everything with the family and whatever. Mm. And then beginning of the new year, everyone went back to work. They were all making New Year goals. And I just Mm -hmm. felt really lonely. (laughs) I felt like Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by friends and family, but I just felt in myself really lonely. And that wasn't their doing, it was mine. Um, And so... I just decided to go away again and it was funny because I say everyone around me thought I was this adventurous globetrotter that could afford to do and go and all this voluntary work but mm-hmm. I saw myself as a scared runaway you know mm-hmm. I just saw myself as a, a, I got a bolt I, I can't cope with all the memories and yeah. you know local pubs I'd go into a local pub and remember a night yeah. we had there or and I just yeah. it was overwhelming um, so this time I went to India mm-hmm. and um, I actually went to teach English to young girls because mm. I had this thing about, you know, teaching women and young women and in particularly mm. underprivileged women. Mm. And um, when I got there, the school was actually probably more wealthy than I thought. It, I thought it was really going to help poor, but these girls actually mm. were getting a good education already. But one mm. thing that they did do was they used to go and visit a leper colony every month mm-hmm. and they would uh, help the, the um, people with leprosy. And so mm-hmm. I went with them to that and that was a real eye-opener. I almost felt as if at the time God was trying to say to me, well, you think your life's bad? Just mm, you wait wow. till you get here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was pretty confronting. Um, I had to learn the act of acceptance, mm-hmm. um, of giving when I didn't really want to. I found some of the visions a bit abhorrent. Yeah. Um, and I watched these young Indian girls just, just give and chat and share and care mm-hmm. and without a second thought. Because incredible, the poor look after each other. Yeah, you know the 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 yeah, and and so that that was a, another huge turning point for me. Um, yeah, in in the whole experience. Um, How long did you stay in India? I was there for six months. Okay, and then when you came back, it becomes a bit like Groundhog Day because exactly the same thing happened. I went back home, yeah. moved in with my parents, saw yeah. my friends again. Everyone was telling me all the TV shows I'd missed. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is just shocking. I, I just I just didn't fit in anymore. I just, mm. and, and I, I felt 
mentally very exhausted. Like I think with yeah. grief, you carry this weight. Mm-hmm. And although I was going through the motions and I was learning all these experiences, I hadn't actually healed. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, probably I was I was still in a very sad state. Yeah. Um, so anyway, did you I went feel back. that the entire time when you were away, or did it just sort of wait for you when you come back? Well, it came in in, in bursts. There were times when when I, what I was mm. doing, I was like, oh, "This is wonderful and inspiring, and I would love it." Yeah. And then I remember at one point I was in Old Delhi, and I actually got mm. an infection in my stomach, and I and I was lying on an old straw mattress, and I just felt mm. so sick. And at that point, the, the kind of depressed feelings all came back. Yeah. I was feeling sorry for myself. Why am I doing this? And then the thoughts mm. of Rob, and then I'd lost my job, I'd given up my job. And so yeah. I yeah, I, I I went in and out of it. I I think it's a it's a roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And and it it got to the stage if I was having a good day, then that was a tick, you know. But mm. um so no, I went back home and I still wasn't ready to stay and a friend of mine had invited me to go to Australia to visit her and um she yeah (laughs) she she lived in New Zealand so we met in Australia Mm -hmm. and then we went to rent a place she actually didn't have much money and so she wanted to stay and rent and work Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I was happy to do that because I thought well I'll look around and I'll enjoy seeing Australia yeah but we ended up hiring a room in a house with this woman who she was just lovely and had a really nice piece about her and the, and the place mm-hmm. was lovely. It was out of Ashfield, but this was in the 90s mm-hmm. when Ashfield wasn't as posh as it yeah. is today. <laughs> and anyway, we tur- it turned out that she was a Catholic nun. Mm-hmm. And in the evenings, while my friend was working, her and I would sit and we would chat and we'd have all these conversations. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she helped out at a drop-in centre for St Vincent de Paul, where she helped mm-hmm. um, people that had alcoholism and Down syndrome mm-hmm. and people that lived on the streets and whatever. And so one day she said to me, could I help? Because they were shorthanded. And I thought, oh, I don't yeah. want to do any more volunteer work. I, I just oh. want to have a holiday. <laughs> I just want to enjoy the sun and the sand and sea. And like, yeah. Anyway, and um, she said, that would be great. I'll see you in the morning. And she didn't really give me a chance to say <laughs> Um, so anyway I went along and again it was another experience of wow how hard life is for some people Mm -hmm. and there were a few situations there that that were quite confronting you know people who'd there was one woman who was an alcoholic and she came in one morning and and she was crying she'd sores all over her feet she was living on the streets and and she stank of urine and I found it quite tough to deal with actually yeah and imagine. when I went back that night I said to this sister Helen we called her sister sister hell sister from hell <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, she you know she was beautiful and I said to her I can't go back I can't do that it, you know it was just I'm not a nurse yeah and yeah. she said to me well thank you we really appreciate that you helped today mm. and she said if you could say a prayer for that woman because her daughter committed suicide last night oh Wow. So it was just my whole, all my trips were, and it was just like, I, I felt God was just trying to say to me, look, there's a lot of pain in the world. Mm. And when we can share it, you know, problem shared is a problem halved. When yeah. we can listen, which is what you're doing with your beautiful work, 
Mm. When we can let people know they're not alone, again, mm. which you're doing. Um, all of those things came home. To, and what she did one of the nights, she said to me, and I see that you're, you're doing all the right things. And she said, and you're smiling with your mouth, but you're not smiling. I can't, you're not mm. smiling with your eyes. <laughs> and she said, there's something going on. And she said, what? It's her love that makes me teary. <laughs> she yeah. said, what, what is it that um, made you go to Africa and India and come here? Mm. And, and she reached out and she took my hand and it just all... <sighs> Yeah. And it all came out. Wow. Yeah. And then she she had another lady who was a counsellor, a grief counsellor, mm -hmm. who was also mm -hmm. a nun. But they didn't live in a convent or anything. They they worked in in the community. And and so I went to see her and she helped me unpack it and deal mm. with that. And... That's incredible. Mm. So and in my little preview about you we mentioned a name called uh, a man called Ben. Yeah. When and how did Ben appear on the scene? Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah. Well, this is, this is a lovely end to the story because um, <laughs> on my journey home, I thought, cause I traveled on and off then it was about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I thought, right, I need to kind of go home and settle now and, and yeah. give romance another chance because all my mm -hmm. traveling, I, was, I didn't want anything to do with men and I had a hard yeah. heart and I was cold and angry. And mm -hmm. anyway, they helped me turn that around. And then a friend of mine was getting married and she had asked me to be her bridesmaid. Mm -hmm. And so I went home for that. And Ben was actually an, an old friend, a part of the group um, that I used to hang around with, but we never really had anything in common <laughs> and um we re-met at this friend's wedding and he said to me that day I hear you've been traveling what have you been doing when I was so ambitious and career-minded he was very he'd been brought up in Swaziland in Africa mm -hmm. he was English but his father worked for the government over there mm -hmm. so he had a very um holistic approach to life and yeah wasn't really interested in money and status and stuff like that mm -hmm. and he'd gone and done an MBA so when we met at this wedding I had gone all bohemian he'd gone all corporate wow. and it was like we it. completely switched places yeah anyway we started to talk about he said what was your favorite place and I said Africa mm -hmm. and he started to mm -hmm. talk about the sunsets and the, the poverty mm -hmm. and the deserts and, the, and I was like oh my god this is the first person that has understood yeah the spiritual side to these countries that that nobody else got yeah. and so there was definitely a, a connection and a flicker and a, and then he asked me to go on a date with him to go sailing and I thought oh well, mm -hmm. I can do that um, <laughs> and the day that he met me in that morning he'd actually been offered a job in Spain because he'd done his MBA in Spain and he said to me, you're not going to believe this. He said, um, this is a day that's going to change my life. Because he said, I, I've been offered this job and, and I've met you. And he said, I just have this feeling that this is a day that's changing the rest of my life. You know, and, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And then, <laughs> and then he said, if I take the job, would you come with me? 
And I was like, oh my God. And everybody around me said, it was interesting because everybody around me said, oh my God, she's going to do the same thing again. Here we go again. You know, it was like, I was being- How would that be the same? Blamed for jumping in too quick or for being too trusting or for, it was just, Mm. people's judgments are can be quite hard. Interesting. And it didn't cross my mind for one second. I can't see any similarities here. Yeah. So different. Yeah. Yeah. And I had known him from before. So mm-hmm. we did go to Spain, but I, I, he went to Zaragoza and I said, I'm going to go mm-hmm. to Salamanca and I'm going to learn the language. and I'm going to see if I like Spain and if I like mm-hmm. you. And we had dated <laughs> by then for about three months. Yeah. And, um, and by then I was 32. Um, mm-hmm. And that when I had finished doing my course, um, he proposed and we got married. Oh, here comes my cat. <laughs> Come here. Sorry. and we've been together 25 years oh my god I love this I love yeah. a happy ending oh my god that makes my day um thank you so much for sharing that it was really really beautiful and I know we went quite in depth with your entire story we're way over time sorry but um, no 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 I'll let you go because I really wanted you to tell the entire story and uh, it's absolutely fine but what I would like uh, for our viewers to hear as well I know for a fact that you wrote a book about all of that is that right yes yes tell us about that well it was actually Ben that encouraged me to do it so he Mm -hmm. he said when we got married and we were living in Spain I was pregnant with our first daughter and he Mm -hmm. said to me why don't you write your story as a way to pass time and a healing exercise and he's always been supportive of the whole thing and so it took me nine months so while I was growing my baby I was growing my book (laughs) (laughs) and then but when she was born it got put in a box and put away and nothing Mm -hmm. has happened with it for the last Mm -hmm. 20 odd years Um, and this year I set myself the goal of bringing it back out and trying to get it published so I'm in the process of working with an editor at the moment and Mm -hmm. um, my 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 challenge to myself is to get it published by the end of the year I can't wait to hear about it and and I'd really love um once you do publish the book to come back into our group and actually share a link so people can also read it I'd, I'd really love to hear about it oh thank um, you and thank and you. I know that you and I actually did talk about it in the background you know should we wait with the interview or not and then I, we both decided no the story is really beautiful I really want to share it in our group because there is so much hope and healing in your story as well it's not just the you know my life fell apart and it was horrible I love what you did with it and I love that you share all of it you know even though no I didn't feel better you know it, it was still hard and I did still grieve and this is all there's all so much reality and truth in that and not trying to make things look better in hindsight you know and I really love that I, I honor your your honesty your truth and that you share that with us um, gives a lot um, what do you do with your life these days what is it that you do for work these days oh well thank you for asking I'll be very quick <laughs> That's okay. um, so when we moved to Australia um well actually after we, we we went back to the UK and everything and I um I never how long were you in Spain just so we get that three that years picture. we were three three years, three years. in Spain wow and then, then back we, to the UK we were in London for eight yeah yeah and when I was in London I got a job I actually um went to study world religions believe it or not because I got really interested in the I had come yeah. across Hinduism and Buddhism and then I had these Catholic yeah. nuns and I and the, all of that 
sparked an interest in me. And I got yeah. a job in um, pastoral care in a high school in the UK when my youngest started school. And it was yeah. working with um, teachers and students to, who were feeling a bit lost and, and needed somebody to talk to and needed, mm -hmm. you know, a, to set goals and, and for themselves yeah. and things. So when I came to Australia, I actually didn't work for the first six years because my husband traveled and we, my kids were still young and I just mm. vol volunteered again. You've got two daughters, is <laughs> yes. that right? Yes, yeah. yes. How old and are they now? They're um, 21 and 23. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I, and there's a huge story. At some point I'll share with you one and one about yeah. uh, how, how I've managed to impact their lives you know and and and, mm -hmm. and show them that life's tough for everybody you know we, we we all struggle on different days and different ways but we all struggle mm -hmm. um so I hit 50 menopause I got really that kind of lost alone what's my life all about feeling again because mm -hmm. I think we all we go through stages nothing nothing stays great forever I mean nothing's bad forever either but but we're, I think we're constantly having to 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 reevaluate where we're at in life and so yeah. I reached out to see if there were other women in their 50s who felt the same mm -hmm. and um, started a meetup group. Mm -hmm. And from that, uh, they, those women started to ask if I could help them. And I had studied NLP mm -hmm. and positive psychology. And, mm -hmm. and then they asked if I would coach them individually because they didn't mm -hmm. want to be sharing everything in the group all yeah. the time. Yeah, and so my business was born. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't really start out to have a business, but it became mm -hmm. <laughs> a coaching business, um, and I still do that to this day. So I, I I work mainly with women to help them overcome mm -hmm. their limiting beliefs and and get them yeah. on the right track in life. And I cannot thank you enough for being here for sharing your story so sorry if i've gone on too uh, much i feel it's been too much <laughs> no 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 that's absolutely fine no 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 i would have stopped you if it was too much so absolutely oh, not okay. i really really value everything that you shared with us and mm -hmm. i actually think that we need to get you back once you do publish your book we're just going to do another interview and talk a little bit more about uh you know your daughters everything that you just said maybe that's okay. another story let's okay. do that okay. and uh i'll hold you to it so i'd really love to have you back by the end of the year so you know here's your accountability for oh, finishing God, the book now by then. <laughs> <laughs> the entire world is listening now um so and please feel free i always ask everyone please feel free to come back into the group and share in underneath the interview the links how people can get in touch with you i'm sure there are people listening to this going like i really want to touch base with this woman i really want to hear a bit more about the work that she offers so please feel free to oh, uh, share you. the links how people can get in touch with you and as for the book of course come back to this interview and share the link as well but we will do another interview to talk about the book once it's thank out you, so for now i just want to say thank you so much for your open and honesty here and uh, for being here and spending the time with us thank you thank you very much it's been a privilege awesome you have a beautiful day and we will have Anne back in a few months. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This is Anne and Marie signing off. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about Loving Life After Loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.